Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vita Podcast, where we help educate military veterans and their spouses on opportunities in Web3. Our plan is to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so that we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans in the industry. I'm Chris Perkins, president of CoinFund. I'm a combat marine veteran who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into the crypto space. And before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Luca, who's dedicated their time and and resources to make this podcast possible. For our 25th episode, we'll be speaking with U.S. Army veteran Grace Fluger, who works in business development for the HBAR Foundation. Welcome, Grace. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Awesome. I can't believe this is our 25th episode. Uh, We found 25 folks who are veterans or related to veterans. So like, I'm, I'm super excited to speak to you today. Um, so tell us about your background. Yeah, I'm uh, very honored to be lucky number 25. So um, looking forward to it. Uh, a little bit about me. I, uh, as you mentioned, I'm in the U.S. Army, uh, specifically the Army Reserves. I did ROTC in college, commissioned uh, via ROTC, and I'm now a captain in the Army Reserves, still actively doing my, my drill weekends and trainings and such. Uh, additionally, my full-time job, I work at the HBAR Foundation doing, my title is technically business development, but a number of different things as we all do at, at smaller companies. And that's a, that's a snapshot. Awesome. So you, uh, you did your active duty service and you transitioned to the reserves. Like, tell us about your military experience. Yeah, thank you for asking. So I actually commissioned straight into the reserves out of university. So I did have the option to go active duty. At the time, I was a bit more interested in business opportunities uh, on the civilian side. And so I figured it's the best way to do, get the best of both worlds, really, uh, to have a civilian career, but then also be involved in the army and still get that exposure and experience. Um, although I have not been active duty, I, I do have an opportunity to deploy. I'm actually slated to deploy right now to Djibouti, Africa next year. Oh, wow. Uh, will that be your first deployment? It will be my first deployment. Yes. Oh, awesome. So yeah, I usually ask people, you know, tell me about your transition, but you've been lucky enough to like kind of do both, but that has challenges in its own right. I mean, how do you balance, you know, being at this high flying startup that we'll talk about here in a second and also, you know, the challenges of, you know, your reserve duty, how, how do you balance that? It's uh, it's interesting because both worlds don't understand the other, right? So <laughs> when I graduated college, uh, just polar opposites in every, in every <laughs> way. So when I graduated college, I was uh, initially in software sales. So mm-hmm. I started out as a BDR. Um, doing B2B software sales in the Salesforce ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so pretty similar, you know, similar experience there, right? Just in general, working in tech, um, they, there's great benefits. Everyone's really all about work-life balance. However, they're, they don't fully understand the military, don't know what I do. So when I say I need to go do two weeks of training and something, they're like, okay, well, we're not, you know, we're not pleased with that because you're a salesperson and we don't want you to, Miss time, but we federal, you know, legally, we have to uh, allow you to do that. So it is challenging. I, I, I like to say that I live a double life. Um, I feel like when I put on my uniform and I go to my weekends or I go to trainings, I, um, I essentially am a little bit of a different person, right? Like, you know, the culture in the military, totally different than that of 
let's just say a crypto conference or <laughs> event. Um, but I think that the practices and the lessons you learn in military training is, is so valuable in every aspect of life that it really transfers into personal life, business, I mean, you name it. Um, so my ROTC experience, as well as the leaders and mentors that I have in the military completely bleed together into this crazy Web3 world in some weird way. So how did you get into this crazy Web3 world? Like I said, I started out in software sales. And so I think from that experience, I learned about how enterprises make change um, with efficiencies and you know what what drives change in an organization and then from there i decided to go into technical training sales so i worked for a company called plural site on the services side where we were developing packages i once again for companies to be up leveling their developers for some sort of change basically the most common one would be on-prem to cloud so essentially seeing um companies migrate to AWS. And with that, I started to become more comfortable with developer languages and sort of understanding backend infrastructure. So uh, a little bit of a weird route in, but I had some friends that were investors in the space and I decided to make the jump um, into sales at a, uh, at a DeFi pro project on Ethereum. And so that was when I entered in January of 2021. Got it. So t tell us about that project and then, then how, tell us about your glide path to Hedera. Great question. It's a, it's a funny relationship. So I joined ET and they are um, really cool project. ET means one in Japanese. Uh, the founder implemented Hedera while working at IBM. And while I was there, we were working on concentrated liquidity Uniswap V3 vaults, essentially. Their, um, their smart contracts are able to gain very high yield uh, along with his sort of stablecoin product. So very cool team. And I also managed the investors while I was there. We had some really, some really awesome um, investors that I spoke to on a regular basis to update them on what we were doing. One of those happened to be the co-founder of the HBAR Foundation. And... Um, kind of got recruited over to to HBAR in that <laughs> in that way. But we actually are still collaborating with the ET folks um, from the Hedera side. So um, yeah, happy, happy with the, the switch up. And Hedera is also a great organization to be a part of. Awesome, Captain. Like, t tell us about Hedera. What is it? What does it do? We're generally known as more of an enterprise uh, organization, right? Well, I'll get into the the political kind of thoughts on on Hedera and decentralized decentralization a little bit. But uh, at a base, I like to say that Hedera is the same thing as a blockchain, but we are reaching consensus in a different manner. So um, we actually have a, a big milestone today. Hedera passed twenty five billion transactions today. Twenty five billion. Twenty five billion. Yes. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we are we're really excited. And that's really driven by those enterprise institutions that we have been fostering those relationships for years now, right? So it's cool to see a lot of that come to fruition, as well as other institutions feeling comfortable. I think the what I love most about Hedera is that we can be seen as a bit of a, a safe haven for institutions to 
um, get involved in blockchain and Web3 in this world where people have a lot of trouble trusting the environment, right? Um, so hopefully I answered the question of what is Hedera. At, at a base, third generation distributed ledger. Uh, it's a hash graph, not a blockchain, but that we like to, you know, that's just a detail, but it's just a different data structure, more efficient and more scalable. So if you're an enterprise, why do you choose Hedera over like an Ethereum per se? Good question. Um, the biggest reason is the fees. So gas fees are fixed at 0.0001 denominated in USD. So that is one of the biggest value propositions um, for enterprise to be able to properly calculate what their gas fees will be uh, along with our carbon efficiency. So um, we have incredible inroads in the ESG space, uh, probably the biggest entity that's you know driving our transactions today would be a group that is measuring their um, carbon emissions on on our distributed ledger. Understood. Can, can you talk us through some additional applications that are on uh, your distributed ledger, like um, any, any particular sectors or activity that you want to highlight? Yeah, so I am I am most excited about Hedera's uh, RWA world right now. So um, we have Aberdeen, who recently joined our governing council. Aberdeen is the largest fund out of the UK. They have $500 billion AUM, and they have already, um, they've already begun tokenizing their portfolio on Hedera. So that's, um, you know, that's just a very exciting use case, in my opinion. Some others that I think are worth mentioning are our banks that we're partnered with and that are on our governing council. And actually, before I do so, do you want me to explain the governing council, Chris? Yeah, I think people would enjoy that. Okay. it's uh, So it's important to how Hedera was structured, again, with our launch. And um, this can be controversial. And so I think it's, it's important to highlight. So the governing council on Hedera, they are a number of different large enterprises, right? Google, IBM, Boeing, as well as Dell and Aberdeen um, more recently joined. And we have some banks on there as well. So they are the nodes that drive our, um, or rather bring transactions to finality. So they are, they run our consensus nodes as well as have an active use case on Hedera. Um, and so that group, they're very involved in the network. They're very involved in, you know, really significant use cases. Some banks that I actually think are, are really worth highlighting that are on the governing council are Standard Bank and Shinhan Bank. So Standard Bank is one of the largest banks in Africa. They did a first proof of concept for stable coins on Hedera a couple of years ago. And so this narrative for Hedera around non-USD currency stable coins um, I think is also very exciting right now. Uh, Shinhan Bank is one of the oldest banks in South Korea. I think they're the second largest as well. And they both are, um, you know, building stablecoins on Hedera uh, in addition to the biggest Taiwanese financial institution. All of these just completed a pilot recently using our stablecoin studio. So a uh, non-USD stablecoin, you know, in their fiat currency. And the significance of this is it enabled real-time settlement and real-time FX and extremely better efficiency. Got it. So they, they back that stablecoin um, 
I mean, they're custodian and they issue a stable coin in their local currency. It's pretty cool. We haven't seen much of that. Like I, I watch this space closely. I used to run a, an FX business on Wall Street and like, you know, it's a $7.5 trillion a day business. Like it's humongous, right? And like right now, if you read the research, 99.3% of it is in US dollars. So mm -hmm. I just don't think it's going to last. So I'm really, it's really exciting that people are building there. So you're in BD. Uh, it sounds like, you know, you're working very closely with, with in enterprises and institutions to onboard them. Can you tell us about your day-to-day -day and your role and, and, you know, what it's like to be in business development? Yeah, definitely. So um, although I'm bringing up our enterprise use cases, because I think those are, um, you know, those are names that people can recognize, some, some mass adoption use cases that, that can uh, get people to grasp the significance. However, my role, I actually run the crypto economy fund at the HBR Foundation. And so what that means is I'm much more involved on the DeFi and technical infrastructure required in order to make economic behavior possible. So I am, um, like I said, I wear a number of different hats. I manage our, you know, grant applicants that come in. Uh, I process grants um, for, you know, infrastructure partners. And then I manage the grant grantee relationship, right? So our, our portfolio companies, we'll call them. Um, but I manage that relationship all the way through to ensure that they're meeting our KPIs, um, you know, see how their performance is, think about innovative partnerships or, or ways that we can improve their, uh, their product. Uh, and what else? I also work with our developer team and our product team to, to potentially make updates uh, to the actual you know, repository in order to um, facilitate some partnerships or relationships that we're, we're trying to create. Uh, Hedera is EVM. I actually, I don't think I mentioned that before. We are EVM compatible. And so that EVM equivalence has been a big part of my job, basically yeah. being able to speak to um, the EVM world. Uh, yeah. So I don't manage any of our enterprise relationships. Yeah. Can you explain what EVM means for the listeners? Yeah, uh, Ethereum virtual machine. It's kind of like compatible, it. right? If that's maybe the best way to say it, it's compatible with mm -hmm. with um, blockchains that are that are Ethereum based, something like an Avalanche, uh, Ethereum, etc. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to I was going to go all the way back and try to explain, you know, when Ethereum was first launched. But yes, I would say that as a blockchain, you know, as someone who works for a blockchain, I can say that. Um, interoperability and the ability to provide and derive value to other blockchains is going to be extremely important, right? No, um, no financial entity, no person is going to want to be on one chain. We want to be able to talk to different networks. And I think that the way that, you know, Ethereum being EVM compatible is very important just again, to speak to, uh, Speak the same language, I yeah. guess, is the best way that I can say it. Yeah, I mean, so Solidity is our is our um, coding language, but yeah. we want to be able to to be partnered with the the same EVM infrastructure that everyone is used to and sees, um, and that's for ease of enterprise adoption as well as for ease of individual retail adoption. Yeah, I think a lot of people could really benefit from understanding the difference between Hedera and then the HBAR Foundation. And could you, could you explain that a little bit? Because, you know, I think they, they, they bump up against this too, whether it's like Uniswap Labs versus Uniswap or, you know, 
this foundation versus this blockchain. Can, can you walk through the difference? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. Um, so I'll, I want to say all, but I won't say all. We'll say most blockchain companies have a foundation tied to them. Um, wish I knew the history of when this started or why, but uh, from a legal perspective, we have to be a different entity, right, from the Hedera um, organization. And we were created to, um, I guess, partnerships slash venture arm, right, to deploy capital in the form of a grant. Uh, sometimes we do some venture stuff, but for the most part, we're a traditional foundation giving grants. And it was, um, you know, it's designed to, I want to say, fuel builders, uh, fuel development. And then we, you know, there's also grants that are tied to specific KPIs and metrics on Hedera. So the HBAR Foundation we are not a VC necessarily, but you could say that we are uh, deploying grants with our ROI being the networks on, or I'm sorry, the impact on the Hedera network. So we want to see volume, we want to see adoption, we want to see usage of the Hedera network. And so we're, we're fueling like ap applications um, and, uh, and really awesome teams that are building on Hedera basically. So um, Hedera, we actually have three different orgs. And again, this is very common in blockchain companies to have this set up. So uh, we have the Hedera org, and we also have something called Swirls Labs, which is more of the product owner. So they have the developers and um, product team and marketing, actually. Uh, and then Hedera organization is the token issuer. So we're, we're all separate for, for legal reasons. Hopefully that makes sense. Have you funded any veteran projects yet? Or if not, what should veterans do to apply? Yes, veterans can absolutely apply. I would prioritize their application at hbarfoundation.org. You can click apply and uh, and go through the process. I have networked with a few from the Vita Discord and, and had some calls. Um, it didn't make, you know, whatever it was didn't fully make sense for Hedera. Again, the one qualifying uh, factor for receiving a grant is that you have to actually be building on Hedera and sometimes that fits and sometimes it doesn't. Are there certain like verticals that you tend to like or invest in? Um, you know, are you looking for DeFi protocols or what, 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 what are you looking for specifically? Mm -hmm. um, I think we have, we have some helpful blogs on the HR foundation that best describes this, but we have four different teams at the foundation and we're we're very focused on our strategies in each fund so one of those would be the sustainability fund they are focused on you know like i mentioned earlier carbon emissions measuring carbon emissions uh a lot of a lot of really cool stuff um i'm in a little bit of a different world in crypto economy but our sustainability fund is awesome then we also have a fintech and payments fund so they um, I think are really leading the way in our stablecoin studio uh, strategy. And so they've partnered with commercial real estate companies um, to tokenize their portfolio uh, and so on. And then we also have a consumer engagement and metaverse fund. So they are really looking more at the retail use cases. They partnered with a project called Zoop. The founders and creators of OnlyFans decided to create a celebrity trading card platform called Zoop. Um, they partnered with Karate Combat, basically creating like a DAO for the fans of Karate Combat, if anyone 
interested in sports and that's kind of like a fighting club i think um and then finally the crypto economy fund like i mentioned more so feel helping our support our basic infrastructure like wallets DeFi, the necessary stuff we need like bridges and oracles and things awesome so so what advice would you give to any military veterans or spouses that are transitioning and want to get into the space yeah um it is a wonderful question. So I actually have a, a personal passion in transitioning veterans. I think I took a college class called military communications. And for some reason, it was all about um, mainly about veterans transitioning. The two things that you lose veterans when they get out of the military is it's loss of community and loss of structure, right? If I could think, I, I don't think I could think of an industry that has a stronger community, a stronger sense of belonging. For veterans, I think it's a, it feels like maybe a natural transition to move to Web3 because it's a bit, it's a bit like a cult. <laughs> that was, uh, that was well, my joke. Well, you're not even I... in the Marine Corps, so like you have no, yeah. that's what it's like yeah. for us Marines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys are, are particularly close, a lot smaller group. Um, you know, you need that, uh, that pride in in where you are. And I think that's what it does for me, at least. Like I, I said, uh, during the pandemic, especially, I made my transition during the pandemic, right? Working from home, doing software sales. I was like, what am I doing? And then jumping into the crazy world of Web3, I was like, wow, I feel camaraderie. I feel community. I feel like I belong. It's super fun. Just the brightest people. Uh, I love the non-judgment. And I think that's another aspect that ties into the military in a weird way. People don't realize that it actually is such a diverse community in the military, right? People come from all walks of life, socioeconomic backgrounds, like color, whatever, you name it. And I feel like the same um, the same applies to crypto. Like you, you cannot judge a book by its cover. It is I mean, whatever they look like and they, if they're smart and they have a good idea, you listen, you know, and I think the same role somehow applies in the military. I total, couldn't agree with you more. Um, are you guys hiring at all at HBAR Foundation or Hedera? So among our three organizations, um, I'm sure that we are. I apologize that I'm not up to speed with those opportunities, but I will you know, happily help anyone who, who reaches out and says that they're, they're interested in a job and connect them to our HR team. I'm unfamiliar with the hiring situation right now, but I think the HBAR Foundation specifically, um, I'm not sure that we are hiring at the moment. Got it. And when you look across the Web3 landscape, what excites you about the future? I mean, we've, we've gone through some crazy times. It feels like um, those times are turning more positive now. We'll yeah. see. But uh, what excites you about the future? I am excited about user experience, uh, better PR. <laughs> I think if my friends can understand that uh, blockchain isn't bad or crypto or Web3 isn't bad, that would be great. And if I could just, same way I Venmo my friends' money, if I can, you know, do the same in a better user experience with, uh, with crypto, that would be amazing. I think on a on a personal and, you know, feminine angle, I think that there's so much that can be done uh, with both AI and Web3 things. The shopping experience can be improved. So I'm going to go <laughs> on a little bit of a tangent here. But when I shop, it's a very, you know, 
it's a really antiquated experience. I feel like I'm sending my friends, you know, screenshots of what's in my cart and I'm trying to see, you know, what I should get, what I shouldn't get. I'm trying to get my friends advice. And so I think, I think there's just a ton that can be approved upon in the user experience. Um, another tangent I'll go on is like the reward mechanism, right? So, uh, I don't feel like I'm properly incentivized when I'm shopping, you know, with the, we have some phone number or account like everywhere we go. And is it really getting me points? Like, am I really getting rewards when I'm giving my phone number to all these places? I, I doesn't feel like I am. So I'm excited for, I'm excited for that to be enhanced. I don't know, just the, the day-to-day experience and how can I actually benefit from um, crypto and, and earning rewards with my favorite vendors interact better with platforms and maybe even interact better with my friends or AI, an AI shopping assistant or something. So user experience, I'll I'll leave it at that. (laughs) How can people connect with you, Grace? I am available on uh, Twitter as well as LinkedIn. Um, Those would probably be the best social media platforms. And what's your Twitter handle? It is at your graceless. Awesome. You're graceless. Well, well, thanks a lot, Captain. Um, really, really awesome discussion today. You know, really informative insights. And we're, we're really lucky to have a, a veteran like you. Actually, you're not even a veteran. You're a reservist uh, like you in the space. So thank you so much for coming on. I also wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca. Uh, without them, it wouldn't be possible to do these. And uh, for those of you who are interested in learning more about Vita, please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. And if you have ideas or suggestions about anyone else we should bring on, please let me know. Uh, always reach out to me on Twitter at PerkinsCR97. Thanks again, Grace. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Really appreciate it.